apple pies for sale, music by DJ Jason Tuga, apple pie and apple pie. You can still enter the pie contest at WJFFRadio.org. But who wants to bake? Just come and get some pie. Radio Catskills, Apple Pie Palooza, the most appley of all Paloozas. 5 to 8, Saturday evening at Catskill Brewery, Livingston Manor. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill. On air, online, on your smartphone, and on your smart speaker. Public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. We are Radio Catskill, keeping you connected. Good evening. Welcome to the local edition. Live from our studios here in Liberty, New York. I'm your host, Jason Dole. We're keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. We're going to do that with not just a live update from Liam Mayo of the latest news on our River Reporter Weekly News Roundup, but also with a special feature, an exclusive for Radio Catskill special feature report on the Sullivan County Airport and the PFAS chemicals that were found there. You may have heard us talking about this on and off over the past year or so. We're going to get the definitive report on the situation from Liam Mayo coming up in the program. First up, there was some news out of uh, Washington yesterday afternoon. You may have heard. First-term Republican members of Congress from the Hudson Valley found themselves on the wrong side of a vote to save Speaker Kevin McCarthy's job yesterday. Mike Lawler from New York's 17th District and Mark Molinaro of the 19th both voted against the measure to remove McCarthy. Lawler called the vote a disgrace that undermined the institution and the important work of our country and went on to blame Democrats for voting as a block and refusing to save McCarthy. Molinaro had called Florida Representative Matt Gates' effort to remove McCarthy a psycho-pseudo-political fetish. That's a quote. Psycho-pseudo-political fetish. And Molinaro said that his constituents are sick of the political games. Ohio Representative uh, Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise, Louisiana, are both planning to run for speaker. Former Hudson Valley Republican Congressman John Faso spoke on WAMC's roundtable panel today. And we actually uh, have that audio for you right here. The larger issue that we face, leaving aside who the next uh, speaker is going to be, is that we have a continuing resolution that lasts for 45 days. So we're about in the middle of November, and uh, there are big things that have to happen. And the unfortunate part uh, governmentally of what happened yesterday, besides the damage to the institution and our international reputation, frankly, uh, but we now lose a week because they're not going to come back until Tuesday on dealing with appropriation bills. Okay, but the question still remains, who even is going to be Speaker? Uh, Former Speaker, California Representative Nancy Pelosi, tweeted early yesterday afternoon, quote, the Speaker of the House is chosen by the majority party. In this Congress, it is the responsibility of House Republicans to choose a nominee and elect the Speaker on the floor. At this time, there is no justification for a departure from this tradition, end quote. And, of course, uh, there's a week recess going on now. 
Uh, as we mentioned, Ohio Representative Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise of Louisiana are both planning to run for speaker now that Kevin McCarthy has been ousted thanks to this effort by the Freedom Caucus of the House. Again, here's former Hudson Valley Republican Congressman John Faso speaking to WAMC this morning. I have a reverence for the institution. And the unfortunate thing is that Gates and his compatriots, the seven others, are to me are akin to suicide bombers. And they would strap on the, the, the weaponry and go blow up the place because they don't like something. And the irony is, is that they have no alternative process. Uh, they have no alternative. Their, their claims and their demands were not unified. They were all you would satisfy one and then something else would pop up. And thank you to New York Public News Network for that report. Up next uh, here on the local edition, we have an in-depth report from Leah Mayo, as promised, on the Sullivan County Airport and uh, what in environmental investigators found there and then what it means and what the work is that's being done there. Uh, but it'll all sound better coming from Leah Mayo. So take it away, Liam. Things are looking up for Sullivan County's airport. The Sullivan County International Airport is owned by the county's government and used for mostly private flights, corporate travel, small local aircraft, that kind of thing. The airport was built in the 1960s, but the county has made significant investments in it in the past few years to make it an attractive destination for pilots across the region and beyond. That investment is starting to pay off. Two years ago, a global nonprofit for emergency medical flights, Hopsol Air, agreed to make Sullivan County its global headquarters pledging to build its own hangar at the facility. Last year, New York State gave Sullivan County an $18.5 million grant to update and rebuild its aging central terminal. And the more people come to the airport, the more people buy fuel from the county's tanks. According to the late James Arnott, former airport superintendent, the airport has gone from costing the county thousands of dollars to bringing in a slight profit. And, as Arnott told Radio Catskill in 2022, this success doesn't just help the airport. It also helps the county. It positively affects our county by, by encouraging people to come and build here, to pay taxes, to support our county. Between increased fuel sales, construction of a shiny new terminal, and companies like Hot Solaire finding their way to the county, Sullivan County International Airport has a bright future ahead of it. But the past is still present, and airports across the country have to reckon with one particular aspect of their past. Airports have used hazardous PFAS chemicals for decades for aircraft safety, and Sullivan is currently investigating the impact of those chemicals on its airport's water and soil. So what are PFAS chemicals? Back in the 1940s, long before Sullivan County built its international airport, Scientists came up with a family of chemicals called per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, PFAS or PFAS for short. PFAS chemicals have a number of useful properties. Specifically, they repel oil, grease, and water, making them ideal for a range of commercial uses. A wide variety of household products were designed with PFAS, everything from food packaging to raincoats to non-stick foodware. Airports across the nation, including Sullivan's, used it in the foam firefighters use instead of water when putting out fires on their aircraft. When PFOS chemicals were first developed, we knew mostly about their benefits, but in recent years, we've started to learn about their risks. 
Studies have shown links between exposure to PFOS chemicals and a range of negative health effects. These effects include developmental delays in children, increased risks of cancers, reduced effectiveness of the body's immune system, and interference with the body's natural hormones. As this new science has come out, state and federal agencies have begun to regulate PFOS chemicals. In March, the Federal Environmental Protection Agency proposed the first-ever national standard for PFOS in drinking water. The EPA set the limit at 4 parts per trillion for the most common types of PFOS, so if the ratio of water to PFOS is anything higher than a trillion to 4, the EPA doesn't consider it safe to drink. But all this regulation is coming after PFOS has already spent a lot of time out in the world. And it's very hard to get PFOS out of the environment once it's already there. The chemical composition of PFOS means that it tends to break down very slowly once it's in the soil or the water. That brings us back to Sullivan County International Airport and the investigation that's been going on there for about six or seven years. In 2016, the State Health Department tested one of the wells at the Sullivan County International Airport. It discovered traces of perfluorooctonic acid, PFOA for short. This is one of the chemicals included in the PFOS family. After that, the county and the State Department of Environmental Conservation got to work in earnest. PFAs came to light, or I believe, late 2017. We were in touch with DEC and Department of Health. We hired a consultant, NSAFE. They do groundwater, surface water, and do borings. And we're doing sampling at multiple locations throughout the airport. They did testing of on-site wells and off-site water wells, potable water supplies. That's Ed McAndrews, Commissioner of the Division of Public Works, speaking with the Sullivan County Legislature earlier this year. The DEC's follow-up testing confirmed the presence of PFOS at the airport, as well as in a private well nearby. PFOS was found in the soil and the groundwater, at one spot, it was 65 parts per trillion, way higher than the 4 parts per trillion now recommended by the EPA. According to investigation documents, the PFOS in the soil may be breaking down and leaching into the surrounding water. The sites singled out for investigation all had historic ties to the firefighting foam used by the airport. There's three areas of concern, they call it, that they want to do additional testing um, associated with our two burn sites that were used since the 1970s. They're listed on our maps as areas of concern. There were multiple area concerns in the beginning. They're down to three that they're testing now. Airports in recent years have started to move away from using PFOS chemicals in their firefighting foam, but those chemicals were used for decades, and as McAndrews indicates, the airport held frequent firefighting tests using this foam lighting something on fire, and then putting it out to make sure the airport's firefighting equipment was ready and functional. Again, this isn't a Sullivan County-specific problem. Airports across the country used these same chemicals and are facing this same issue, but it is something Sullivan has to deal with. For example, as the county sat down to plan out its new terminal building, it's had to consult with the DEC to make sure the lingering effects of PFOS in the soil don't affect this new construction. The DEC is aware because I know questions came up about the new terminal site. The DEC is aware of that. We brought them into that. We showed them what we're doing. 
as far as we know today, we don't have an exact footprint or anything for the building yet, but we have a location for it in relationship to our existing terminal. So we're working with them on that, and we have to get that site cleared before we can go ahead. At the moment, there's not much risk to human health from the PFOS contamination at the Sullivan County International Airport. According to a final remedial investigation report, people aren't coming into direct contact with most of the contaminated soil and water. The one risk that does exist comes from the groundwater. Some of the properties surrounding the area rely on that area's groundwater for their drinking water. According to the DEC, it is working with Sullivan County to ensure that private wells are offered groundwater sampling and alternate water supplies as needed. The DEC doesn't have a specific plan in place for what cleanup might be needed at the airport, but it's still working with Sullivan County on finalizing its investigation. Once they get those results, then we go... The DEC evaluates those with us and our consultant, and we determine what, if any, remediation will be done. And as the county plans for PFOS remediation, it plans as well for the airport's brighter tomorrow. For Radio Catskill, I'm Liam Mayer. This is a local edition, and again, that was a special exclusive report for Radio Catskill from Liam Mayo. And here now to talk to us about that report is the reporter, Liam Mayo. Liam, thank you for joining us live. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for that report as well. I was wondering if we could start off with maybe you talk. This is this is an issue that we heard a lot about that you and I had even talked about on air before. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about why why you really wanted to focus on this and and, you know, tell one story uh, about this. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the story of PFOS at Sullivan County's airport is kind of compelling uh by the nature of it, um, I think if you hear like state Superfund site or like uh, environmental hazardous chemicals out in the wild, it's often I think the the stereotypical image you might have in your head is of some kind of wrongdoing or some kind of leaking chemicals somewhere. Um, but this is just a case where like it was the uniform standard practice to treat these PFOS chemicals in this way. Uh, to, to use them as if they were safe for decades. No one did anything wrong, but it, the science has just now progressed to the point where, um, where we need to uh, change the way we're doing things. Um, but like with so many other instances of uh, pollution, it's not as easy as just stopping the practice and then having everything go back to normal. These are things... Uh, effects that uh, people are going to have to be dealing with for a very long time. So I just think it's um, illustrative in that way. Absolutely. I'm wondering, is there anything that you encountered that uh, surprised you actually as you actually started to dig in and do the research and, and get into this? Any surprises? Um, not surprises so much. It's just like confirmation that the science is still kind of being developed or it's things are still changing. Um, it was sort of briefly mentioned in one of the investigation documents that the DEC is still kind of coming up with its uh, remediation plans for chemicals. It's, it's not entirely sure how to um, clean a site that has been contaminated by PFOS in this manner. Um, and then, like, on the state and federal level, um, new regulations are coming out all the time. Just recently, uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection announced uh, new 
sort of monitoring across the Commonwealth that it's doing. Uh, New York State is passing new laws uh, regulating PFAS in household products. So uh, this is sort of a very evolving area of um, of uh, the pollution story where uh, we've learned enough to know that these things are bad, but um, we're still learning more about how pervasive they are. We're still figuring out more about uh, their health effects as well as how to uh, deal with them once they're out in the wild. Right. Well, um, thanks again for this report. And I know that you've got some uh, current local news to go over, uh, doing some headlines from the River Reporter. If you don't mind, I'd like to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the latest news. Absolutely. All right. This is uh, the local edition. We will be back with more Leah Mayo live here on air. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store, featuring deli sandwiches, gourmet specials, and catering. TheNeversinkGeneralStore.com. From The River Reporter the community newspaper covering four counties in Pennsylvania and New York along the Upper Delaware River, riverreporter.com, and from listeners like you who donate at wjffradio.org. Quick look at the weather for our listening area. Mostly clear tonight, overnight low down to 52. Sunny tomorrow with some clouds mixing in. High is 73. It's going to get more cloudy as the night goes on tomorrow night, though, and there's a slight chance of a rain shower in the overnight with a low of 56, that chance of rain continues and increases through Friday to the point where on Saturday we can say rain is likely on Saturday with a high of 60. This is Radio Catskill. Uh, coming up, we have the other portion of the local edition. Then we have the daily. And then at 7 o'clock, we have this program here. I'm Daryl Brogdon. That's my real name because... Would I make up a name like that? We're at the Underground Martini Bunker, the home of space-age pop and incredibly strange music. Testing the limits of reality every week on WJFF Radio Catskill. The Retro Cocktail Hour, where the music is served shaken, not stirred. Wednesday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. All right, well, welcome back to the local edition. We've got news and information keeping you connecting the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania, and we have Leah Mayo live on air with us to do what we usually do on a Wednesday, which is go over the latest news headlines, our weekly news roundup from the River Reporter. Um, and uh, Liam, I know that the the Highland Planning Board uh, met last week uh, and Camp Finfo was on the docket. What can you tell us? Yeah, uh, so... Um, the Highland Planning Board has uh, come to a decision in the Camp Finfo case, which is a rarity given that this project has been going on since uh, February of last year. And um, this is, I think, a, a, a decision that like is kind of long in the making. Um, the decision was to require more study, which is, I promise more fascinating than it sounds. Um, 
the board voted three to two to require an environmental impact statement. It's the next step in the state's environmental review process. Um, but it's uh, not sort of just a uh, continuation of the investigation that's already been going on into the potential environmental effects of Camp Fimpo. Um, that's the secret process that has like led up to this point. It's also an acknowledgement from the board uh, or from a majority of the board that Camp Simfo may have a negative impact on the surrounding environment. Um, the way the state's environmental review works is the board uh, gets to decide um, either this project won't have a negative impact on the surrounding environment, in which case the project gets approved and that's kind of the end of it, or this project may have an, a negative effect on the surrounding environment. And that uh, the path that leads to an environmental impact statement, kind of uh, fleshing out and investigating what exactly that negative impact will be. And that's the path the Highland Planning Board has chosen to tread with uh, this Camp Bimbo development. Were there any reactions uh, from folks? I know people feel strongly about this project uh, in a couple different ways. Yeah, there there were a lot of people present um, who were, I think, very happy to hear that. Um, a lot of people who um, have been uh, trying to advocate for the board to take this kind of a hard look at the issue. Um, on the other side, there was um, there were there were kind of letters sent to the board, both from. Uh, advocate groups who wanted them to take this environmental impact statement uh, action, as well as uh, from the Upper Delaware Council, um, one of the other organizations that kind of looks at things along the river. Um, they commissioned a letter from a planning consultant and sent it to the Town of Highland Planning Board, um, sort of saying that the project was okay to go ahead and sort of pushing back on the idea that it could have like a major environmental impact on uh, the river. So it's still a contentious um, decision. I, I think evidenced by the fact that the board voted uh, three, four, two against. Um, other votes on this project in the past have been similarly contentious from different or governing bodies. So um, I, I don't think the tension is going to dissipate with this action or indeed anytime soon. And and what's the time frame, uh, if anything? Again, just because there was there was a lot that, that you were telling us there. Um, so what you outlined a number of next steps. What, what's the time frame for some of this? Do you think? Yeah, uh, the time frame is uh, kind of extensive beyond here. Uh, the planning board chair Norm Sutherland said that a lot of the work for the CIS has already been done, but this is sort of a government action, and it uh, requires multiple steps, including. Uh, the potential for public hearing, it, it requires a uh, public comment period. Um, so the, uh, leading up to this meeting, advocates or representatives of Camp Simpo were kind of pushing the board to make a decision on the project, to approve it. And the board could still approve the project, but now that they have to go through this environmental impact statement um, action, uh any decision on the project is going to be at least months away, if not in well into next year. 
So it's it's unclear exactly what the time frame is, but um, it the decision could have happened at last week's meeting. Now the decision is pushed back again at least a couple of months, maybe even longer than that. Okay, great. So uh, next story still is a bit of an environmental angle on it. There's a landfill in the town of Bethel. That landfill is full. It's been capped. It's been covered over. And now there's something else on top of that landfill. They've they've capped it off with a new development. Want to tell us what that is? Yeah. Um, so this company, DSD Renewables, has completed the construction of a community solar in- installation in the town of Bethel. Um, this uh, this project has been going on for a while, and the project itself has been uh, fully operational since July, but they've just sort of finished putting the final touches on that. Um, and with this project, like you said, the town of Bethel uh, was choosing to site uh, solar panels on uh, sort of a closed-off landfill, which is, I think, in a lot of people's estimation, a best of both worlds situation because solar panels need a lot of space and landfills offer a lot of space that can't really be used for anything else. It's You can't really build a house on top of a landfill, but it is a lot of empty land that wouldn't be used for anything else. So that is sort of prime real estate for um, a solar panel development uh, such as this one. Any word on where the power is going to go? Yeah, um, it's a community uh, solar project, so it's sort of going directly into people in the community. I believe part of it is going to uh, the municipality of Bethel. Um, apparently, a lot of it will also be going to the residents and small businesses of the town. So it is a very much a local project designed to um, help local people um, who maybe don't have the means to put a solar panel on their own homes, still uh, ha- have a greener form of energy. Great. Latest uh, solar, new development to solar in the town of Bethel. For the last story, uh, Liam, uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you profiled one of the candidates running for Pike County Commissioners. So we've got about uh, three minutes left. Do you want to tell us about that candidate and, and that race? Yeah. Um, so our Pennsylvania reporter, Owen Walsh, uh, has profiled for this week's edition of the paper uh, a new candidate for the Pike County Board of Commissioners, uh, Krista Caceres. Um, and this is um, both a new candidate in the sense that she is running um, without the benefit of incumbency, uh, there are four candidates for three um, seats on the Pike County Board of Commissioners, and the other three people running are all the current commissioners, two Republicans, one Democrat. Um, but Caceres is also a new um, candidate to this race. Uh, there was another candidate, uh, Karen Haycox, who um, was the candidate for the position earlier in the year, who was the fourth person in this race, uh, but she decided to, to withdraw from the race, uh, and the Pike County Democratic Committee approached Caceres and asked if she would take Haycock's place, and she said yes. So um, she has uh, some credentials to go with her, 
Um, she serves on the board's directors for the Greater Pike Community Foundation, Pocono Mountains United Way, and the Pocono Mountains Chamber of Commerce. And she has uh, prior government experience as well. She's uh, worked in the administrations of Representative Matt Cartwright, as well um, as tangentially with uh, the current governor, Josh Shapiro, in Pennsylvania. So that, that'll just be a race to watch come come November. Okay, and we will be watching uh, the Pike County Commissioner races, as well as Wayne County Commissioner races, and then also, um, uh, you know, every legislative seat is on the ballot uh, in Sullivan County, uh, similar situation in Ulster County, a similar situation in Delaware County. It's a big local election year, and we're going to keep an eye on that, and I want to thank you for uh, helping us get started with that right here on this local news roundup on the local edition. Leah Mayo, thank you for joining us, and thanks again for that special report. Thanks for having me. Well, that's going to do it for the local edition tonight. And you can hear uh, Liam's report again, or if you missed it, you can hear it for the first time. It'll be up at WJFFRadio.org, along with the written version of the report. That's our website. It's WJFFRadio.org. And you want to stay with us because coming up, we've got the daily plus the latest headlines from NPR News. And then at 7 o'clock, it's a retro cocktail hour with Daryl Brogdon. Just a reminder again that uh, we have our Apple Pie Palooza. It is happening on Saturday. We have a lot of pies lined up. And if you want to uh, make a pie for the Apple Pie Palooza, uh, you should enter it into our pie contest. And the entry form is also at WJFFRadio.org. I've been your host, Jason Dole. We'll be back uh, tomorrow evening to do it again here on the local edition. Tim Bruno will be here with you in the morning, 10 a.m., Every Monday through Friday on Radio Chatskill, I'm here uh, 6 p.m. Monday through Friday, except for Friday because that's when Patricio is here on the local edition. Keep listening on air online at WJFFRadio.org. Ask your smartphone, your smart device, your smart speaker to play Radio Catskill because we're keeping you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for listening. <laughs>